Welcome to the future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, principal and founder of LVG & Co., an independent strategy consultancy based in New York City. Through quick and candid conversations with innovative leaders, we aim to foster new thinking and explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Future of XYZ. I am so excited to uh, welcome an expert uh, and certified Q grader in coffee. We're going to talk about the future of coffee. Welcome Maciej uh, Kasparovich to the program. So glad to be here, Lisa. Um, it's so it's so cool to get to talk about this. Obviously, I'm a I'm a big coffee drinker, um, and uh, it's four o'clock in the afternoon when we're recording this uh, episode, and I've had too much coffee earlier in the day, so I'm not sipping uh, currently. But I would otherwise be sipping from uh, Trade, where I currently have a subscription uh, for coffee, and that's where you are the director of coffee. You were formerly at uh, Gregory's as also the director of coffee. What does a director of coffee do, by the way? Uh, just tells the coffee where to go, mostly. It, uh, it kind of depends on the kind of company um, that, that, that one is working for. Um, in my previous role, I did a lot of uh, coffee buying and, and uh, managed uh, kind of on the roastery side a lot of stuff. Um, currently, uh, working for Trade, a subscription company, um, it's just a lot of tasting coffee, which is obviously a wonderful thing to be doing professionally. Um, it's a lot of talking to a lot of wonderful roasters um, and a lot of kind of internal coffee expertise communication, mostly. It's cool. And you, I mean, you, you grew up, you were born in Poland, you grew up in Chicago, you went to Fordham in New York City as an English lit major. So <laughs> I guess you came by coffee because you had to work as a barista or something. That, that has to be the story, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I just, I just needed a job. And, uh, and uh, I, I found a job uh, working with some friends at a coffee shop um, as a barista. And from there on, just kind of uh, really took to it and, and really started exploring uh, a lot of the different aspects of coffee I could learn about and, and kind of slowly but surely found myself getting more and more into it. Um, what, what is it if there's like one thing there probably isn't but what is like the thing that made you fall in love with coffee? Um, I, I think the community to a large extent um, certainly like the, I would not have decided that I wanted to stay in coffee like as a as a long-term uh, goal without the, the coffee community in New York City here. Um, but also I just, I really like drinking it and I think it's really delicious. <laughs> that it is. And do you have a, a, a favorite bean or a favorite origin story or what's, what's, what's your personal preference? I mean, I just really like drinking really fruity coffee. Um, like <laughs> coffee is, coffee is a seed of a fruit, which we can you know get into kind of where coffee comes from, uh, if you'd like. Um, but I, I think a, a lot of my a lot of my very good friends and people I respect have kind of gone back uh, in recent years to like. Sometimes I just I just really want a coffee to to taste like coffee to be very you know kind of familiar. Um, but I have to say that I still kind of just like drinking really really fruity wild tasting coffee pretty much all the time. Well, it's interesting. It's kind of like I mean, actually, I, I mentioned that you're a certified Q grader, which you know most people I don't think have a clue what that is. Which I think it's the Coffee Quality Institute kind of almost like a wine sommelier you're like a coffee sommelier is that is that fair yeah yeah totally it's, it's the closest thing we have in our industry to that sort of thing it's a lot less like customer service focused than the SOM is um but it's it's basically the 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 certification that allows you to have like a 
a strong opinion on how to score coffees, um, which is used for things like price discovery, for, um, for communicating uh, quality stuff back to coffee producers uh, and all up and down the supply chain. Well, and you, I asked because you used the word fruity um, to describe yeah. your favorite cup of coffee. And that sounds very like wine speak to me. Okay. Um, you know, I don't know if most people would ever describe a cup of coffee as fruity. Can, can we just talk a little bit about like the flavors? Because I mean, I think is that we've just established you have a master nose, if you will, for coffee. <laughs> um, what, what are kind of the range of flavors? I mean, besides when we pump in some like caramel syrup or something at Starbucks. Yeah, I mean, coffee is, you know, uh, and I think we say this because we do have a bit of a chip on our shoulder as, as coffee professionals and compared to wine, for example. Um, but as far as like the amount of different aromatics in coffee, it really is like uh, as complex, if not more complex than um, than any other beverage. So um, the the way the different uh, the different aromatics in coffee work, the way the different acids uh, and sugars in coffee work, um, without adding any sort of external flavoring to it. Um, you really, depending on where the coffee comes from, what variety of coffee it is, how it's processed and roasted, um, can get like a super wide variety of, of flavors. Like I'm drinking a coffee right now that I think has like lots of different kinds of fruit and berry notes. Um, tastes like fresh fruit, tastes like jam, tastes like, um, tastes like even like a fruity beer kind of in, in a certain respect. Um, but coffees can taste chocolatey and nutty. Um, coffees can taste like the actual roast process, you know, like dark roasts have a, have a note that is just like roasty and, and because they're roasted dark. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the full variety, I think of, of wonderful things that you can taste in the world. A lot of those things can really be present in a cup of coffee. I want to, there's so many aspects of coffee. I mean, there is like our consumption of coffee and flavor profiles and how we can use coffee and the fact that it's a super fruit, which I didn't know actually. Um, and then there's obviously the process. So I want to, I want to, they're all the future of coffee things that we can get to, but like for now, let's just ground for a second. Like, so coffee comes from, I mean, I've, I've seen coffee plantations in a number of countries. It is hardcore to grow. You know, what is like, where does most coffee come from and where is the most coffee in the world consumed? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Coffee comes from um, coffee comes from the tropics, right? Like the, the the coffee comes from generally between the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn, uh, and kind of as you follow the equator and that path all around the globe, there are many many countries um, that uh, that grow coffee. Uh, Brazil is the biggest one. Um, Brazil is the biggest one, especially for Arabica, uh, which is the coffee species that like specialty coffee um, mostly comes from. Um, and uh, Brazil does have like a, a really huge impact on kind of everything that goes on with the, the coffee uh, economy. Um, coffee prices are at an uh, at a high uh, of you know for the highest they've been for more than um, a decade, uh, and and before that since really the 70s. Um, wow. Right now, and and a lot of that is just based on what's going on with like harvest reports in Brazil. Um, so Brazil really does have like a, a, a gigantic impact and a, and a really, really um, mature and complex uh, system of, of everything to do with, with coffee production. Um, Vietnam is another place that produces a ton of coffee. Um, they mostly produce uh, what we call Robusta coffee, which is a different species, uh, coffee canifora. Um, so uh, a lot of what we think of as specialty coffee is, is not that species. Um, but it, it does still uh, get exported all over the world. Um, and then Colombia, I think is uh, third right now. Uh, and, and another like very traditional, like I feel like if you think of a, a coffee 
growing country, especially for specialty coffee. Colombia is kind of the one, right? Juan Valdez. They did some good branding, I will say. They really did. Um, and and yeah, Juan, Juan Valdez is like yeah. uh, the guy. He's the guy, yeah. Um, and it really, I mean, and, and they continue to be really at the forefront of uh, not only, you know, uh, volume, but like experimentation and, uh, and and new systems for for everything from from growing coffee to to processing it to exporting it. Interesting. And and where where are the biggest coffee producing or coffee consuming places? Because I mean, I think it's obviously in the Far East and the Middle East, tea was always kind of the thing. I mean, I guess not the Middle East, but like, you know, Near East coffee, tea was always the thing, but I think that's been changing as well. Um, you know, Americans traditionally before this boom in kind of barista culture, were drinking pretty terrible, you know, Folgers, Maxwell House, sorry to like disparage, you know, but <laughs> you know, that's Robusta um, for the most part. Like wh where are we consuming the most coffee and, and what are the kind of the trends that are happening that are impacting impacting the industry right now? Yeah, so I mean, you know, it, different ways to look at it obviously, but the US is consuming uh, a, a bunch of coffee and a bunch of specialty coffee. And, and as you said, um, many places in, uh, in, in East Asia, um, especially for the specialty market, um, you'll see a lot of kind of the 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 wildest the most high priced coffees coffees that are setting these pricing records um a lot of those coffees end up getting sold to places like korea and places like japan um even china which you think of as a uh as a gigantic uh, tea country for for good reason um is uh is importing a bunch of specialty coffee um and even growing uh, coffee, um, there, there are places in, in southern China um, that are uh, that are starting to show up, kind of on, on specialty coffee roasters menus. So in both ways, um, that that is contributing a lot right now. Uh, Scandinavia also for specialty coffee is um, if you if you look at like coffee consumption by uh, per capita, um, places like Finland, um, places like Sweden, yeah. yeah um, you have, to, okay. you have to take your coffee break. It's like actually like a thing that's like obliged. I think even maybe maybe it's even mandated by law to take Pika. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but so I mean you know to to kind of to, to summarize really like the, the the coffee market globally is just like um, there's you know pretty much most places uh, in the in the northern hemisphere at least drink drink a, a ton of coffee um, at this point. And it's interesting because we talk, we think about whenever I hear coffee, I think about my first thing in the morning, after a meal, afternoon. I mean, we think about caffeination, but you can have decaf, obviously. You can have flavors, but you can also like make cocktails with coffee. You can cook with coffee, make rubs with coffee. Like, you know, I know that there's like a company I've used before that does use, you know, coffee grounds as like a bath salt. I mean, there, there are all sorts yeah. of ways that we're using coffee um is is definitely another big one yeah i mean the you know the the at least over at least over here in new york the the kind of the the trend pieces about the return of the espresso martini in the last year were were definitely popping off um so yeah i mean coffee is definitely a, a, a huge part of of lots of folks lives and uh yeah used in, in many different many different things besides just drinking it um but i think yeah over, over the last over the last two years for for obvious reasons um you know coffee home consumption has has definitely risen a bit um to, to to in the u.s at least uh what i'm familiar with um you know um to higher levels um we've we've obviously seen that as a, as a company that sells coffee for people to to brew and drink at home 
Um, and, uh, you know, a specialty coffee specifically um, also just also keeps growing, keeps growing among younger people, uh, younger cohorts as well. Specialty uh, coffee is it, how do you, how do you kind of describe or define specialty coffee? That is a great question. How many hours do we have for this one? Uh, <laughs> Shoot. The, uh, the, it, there's a, a few different ways to define it. So like one basic way is just coffee that scores above a certain score on, on kind of the, the specialty coffee associations uh, scale. Uh, another way is kind of more of like a, a, a historical trend. Look, we're like, as you mentioned, um, you know, we didn't really have much of a, of a like a barista culture uh, in the US. Um, until not that long ago, but um, you know, there's definitely kind of a shift when when Starbucks and Pete's and companies like that started up towards like, oh, lattes, cappuccinos, espressos, all these all these super cool things. Um, and then kind of another shift that we see in in the the, the 90s um, and, and the early aughts towards like more specialized um, preparations of specific origins uh, from and, and really focus on specific flavor profiles. Um, and so that kind of, you know, that's another way to, to, to think about specialty coffee. Um, but it is definitely a thing that if you ask like 20 people involved in it, they can give you 20 different definitions. It's totally fair. And I mean, there are also 20 different ways that you can brew a cup of coffee, right? I mean, from <laughs> pods yeah. and your espresso to your, you know, I mean, I can't even think about it to your slow drip, to your drip machine, to your French press to, I mean, so many pour overs now and, and so many other things. But I want to focus on something that is interesting about like the origin countries, right? And then what consumer trends and as people are consuming at home. I mean, I think about trade and as a, you guys only sell specialty coffee, you're really selective about the roasters that you deliver to our doors. I, I think what's really interesting is a lot of them are small, what I would consider small batch roasters. Um, and, and I guess my question for you really gets down to, you know, coffee again having visited a number of plantations is extraordinarily labor intensive mm -hmm. to to harvest um not much less to grow a and it often happens in really um unfriendly places and then i mean that from an environmental perspective like it's rough right i mean i remember being up in the mountains in panama and i mean you know learning about like you're looking out for tarantulas snakes bat like i mean it just goes on i mean it's it's not friendly environments or hospitable for human beings. Um, and so the lab, starting from the labor piece, but all the way to the roaster piece that you guys are so you know close to, I mean, there's a lot of people who are involved in getting that single cup of coffee to, to my cup, even if I'm brewing it at home. Um, can we talk about the supply chain of coffee a little bit and, and kind of what's evolving and where it's heading? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, the supply chain of coffee, uh, as again, a, a thing that starts out as a, as a, as a seed of a fruit, a, a seed of a, a cherry looking fruit, um, and ends up as a cup of liquid, like, is, is incredibly complex. And, and, uh, and the, every global supply chain is incredibly complex. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I understand that. Um, but just the way the product is, is transformed by so many different people throughout its journey. Um, so yeah, coffee, as, as you noted, has to has to get picked uh, from a tree, from a shrub, um, by uh, by folks usually just picking it by hand. Uh, there's there's many places that uh, like Brazil, for example, um, because it's a little flatter in carts, um, because it's really well organized, uh, can do some machine picking that works really well as well. Um, but someone has to has to do that. Um, then uh, through a combination of steps that can kind of be put in different order that has a huge effect on how coffee tastes in the end. Um, that seed has to be separated from that cherry um, and uh, then has to be dried. 
Um, and again, you can do that, like you can dry it and separate it uh, in that order. You can, you can do the reverse order and that really has a huge effect on flavor. Um, then that coffee has to be, uh, has to be packed uh, and exported and, and put into giant shipping containers uh, on giant ships. And, and traded usually on a commodity market as well, right? Pricing wise. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not all, not all coffees, not all coffees are actually traded through the, the commodity market. Rather many that we sell on site, uh, you know, they're not actually physically taken from the, the ICE's, uh, you know, holdings. Um, but that commodity price, um, because it's a thing that, that is visible worldwide, which is kind of, you know, as, as much as coffee as a commodity is, uh, is not beneficial in a lot of ways. Um, the fact that that price is actually visible and transparent to anyone who's selling it, especially with the internet now, um, can be one of the benefits. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it has to, it has to move. I, and I shouldn't say it has to be exported and imported. Uh, there are many coffee growing countries with very healthy internal um, coffee cultures and markets. Um, Colombia, certainly. Uh, Mexico, uh, actually really wonderfully in some of the bigger cities, especially. Um, but yeah, I mean, then, then when, when the coffee gets here, it has to be, it has to be roasted. Um, I mean, obviously there's another truck, uh, or two or three or four that have to happen. Uh, and then it has to be roasted, which is a fairly specialized endeavor. Um, and then, uh, it has to be shipped and then it has to be brewed, right? It's not even like, you know, you, you buy a bottle of wine and that bottle of wine is going to taste more or less the same to everyone who buys it, depending on aging and temperature or whatever. Um, but with coffee, then you, you probably have to brew it um, or have someone uh, brew it for you. Um, and then all of these things happen in, in like a, a lot of different permutations, right? So um, say you're in a place like um, uh, like Brazil, it might be more common for uh, for one company or one person to own like a big, a lot of those um a lot of those steps, right? To own yeah, the farm. Kind of more vertically integrated. Exactly, yeah. To yeah. Have, a, have a mill on the farm to to maybe even be owned by an exporter who can then export, who might even be a partner of a multinational importer or whatever. Um, there are other places like Ethiopia where if you buy a, a, a bag of Ethiopian coffee, um, you know, that, that big lot of coffee that that bag is from might be, you know, 500. Uh, not that this can't happen in Brazil or other places as well, but um, there might be 500 farmers who have like tiny, tiny little farms um, and none of them own a mill. They're all bringing coffee to a mill. And, and maybe that several mills in the area are all bringing coffee to an exporter, um, which, you know, can be definitely like transparency costs money, basically, right? <laughs> as, as we know. And when we're talking about transparency, we're talking about like good labor practice, good growth practice, whether it's shade grown organic, like all the different things, anything that gets labeled fair trade, anything, you know, from, from the labeling to just the very premise, that transparency the more steps there are, the harder it is, as you say, the more expensive it is and the harder it is actually to get proper transparency and see through. Yeah, exactly. And, and I feel like that can, that can almost be an excuse sometimes in coffee um, to, to just say, like, throw your hands up and be like, well, like I, it's impossible for me to know everything that went on uh, here. And, and, and that might actually be correct sometimes. Um, but, uh, but I think it's also, uh, it's also an opportunity to make, um, to, to, try to make differences in, in kind of so many different steps there. And for a while, I think the industry kind of thought that like the idea of direct trade, the idea that um, a roaster is visiting a farm is was kind of like a silver bullet in terms of we're direct trade roasters, you know. Um, so we know what's going on because we visited that farm for a few days. Um, 
and I think direct trade has many wonderful principles that many of our roasters uh, go by. But but you know there are so many people on the supply chain um, that it's it's not like it, it's not possible for a roaster to to go to a farm and and pick the coffee and mill it and export and all that jazz. Um, so really finding where you can work with the right people and, and all these different steps to actually make a difference is is uh, is key. It's key and it's also interesting. I mean, I always jump to the same place these days, it seems in, in the future of conversations having to do, especially with food um, and, and things that need to be transported long distances. I mean, we have, you know, two weeks ago, we talked about beyond zero, um, you know, carbon neutrality in this process is again, takes a certain investment level. When you think about the Ethiopian farmers trying to get from wherever their smallhold farm is to um, a, a center of town where they can trade freely and get the right money, you know, you, that's very hard to imagine um, carbon neutrality happening at that point. It needs to be the bigger companies, it seems yeah. to me, who, who take that investment and, and, and really offload those, those carbon um, through credits or sequestration or whatever they're gonna do. I mean, I think net zero is one piece of this. Um, the other is really, I mean, blockchain. I mean, like how, how can we authenticate? Like if I want an Ethiopian small hold that has good labor practice, et cetera, et cetera, how do I know it's not getting mixed up with a bunch of, you know, um, you know, Southern Chinese, you know, Robusta, for instance. Um, is this something that's starting to be talked about in the, in the coffee world? Or is this like, is the future still just going to be like focus on specialty and focus on small as much as possible? No, I mean, uh, yeah, those are definitely con conversations where I, I, I mean, I think uh, going to, to kind of coffee, the big specialty coffee conference uh, expo, um, every, I mean, not the last few years before that, the, the idea of using blockchain technology um, is definitely a thing that people have been talking about um, for, for you know, a good, a good three, four years now, at the very least, probably much longer than that, if I'm being honest, um, just at, at places above my pay grade at the time. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think again, like um, uh, using those kinds of systems for transparency or building whatever systems uh, for transparency, along with doing just the things that that people just like are able to actually already do. I mean, there are different roasters that focus on this in different ways. I mean, there, there are roasters that are focusing on the, the kind of like solar energy part of it. Um, Wonder State up in Wisconsin is doing, has for, for a long time been doing great things in terms of just like their roasting campus. Um, roasters that are focusing on working with farmers that are interested uh, and, and giving them the money to, to do specific things um, as far as biodiversity, um, as far as regenerative farming, um, things like that. Um, I mean, roasters that are, we have some roasters that we work with that actually do own coffee farms and are roasters slash importers. Yeah. Um, so do have a bit more of an impact kind of on the supply chain, like uh, like Alma in, uh, in Georgia. So um, again, it's just the, the complexity, I think, can make your head spin, certainly makes my head spin um, a lot of the time, but uh, it does present a lot of different specific opportunities. I love it. And as we think about wrapping, I want to give you an opportunity, first of all, to tell people where they can find trade. And I would highly recommend it's a great program. I've been thrilled, I have to say. Um, and, and I'd also, um, and that's how we connected, actually, is as a customer to, to you. Um, but I also just want to give you an opportunity to, to leave, you know, listeners and viewers with any last thoughts you have about kind of the future of coffee. 
Um, yeah, I mean, uh, drinktrade.com, fi find us there, or we'll get you some coffee that you like. Uh, I think we're, we're, we're pretty good at that. I mean, I, 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 come, I, I do not come from like startup culture, data culture, tech culture. Um, and I've been working with this company for two years, just been so impressed on how, how talented everyone, everyone at trade is in terms of actually fulfilling that promise of finding you the coffee that you like and fulfilling the promise of giving roasters access to, to more and more folks. Um, so yeah, come through, take our quiz, um, or just browse around the site. Plenty of wonderful coffees from really, really wonderful roasters. Drinktrade.com. Drinktrade.com. Uh, I love it. Company is called Trade. <laughs> Maciej, um, thank you so much for joining us on Future of XYZ. It's really, it's, it's a pleasure to talk about the future of coffee. Um, one day I'm going to have you show me how you brew your favorite cup of coffee. Heck yes, let's do it. <laughs> and everyone watching and listening thank you uh as always uh another great episode comes out next thursday you can find us today or always on future-of.xyz or you can follow us on instagram at future of xyz and across streaming platforms where you get your favorite podcasts and on youtube thank you again mache enjoy your coffee stay caffeinated everyone and see you next week thank you so much lisa Thanks for listening to The Future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to The Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.